welcome to the 23rd episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots. What are you Guys, doing with your fingers? It, what are you doing with your fingers? I, <laughs> I'm an animated talker. I am. I'm not even editing this out. Like, yeah, I'm going to keep this in here. It gets me hyped. Alright? Guys, there are so many comics to talk about this week. Like, I would have a three-hour podcast if I could talk about all the books that I wanted to. But, can't do it. Matt won't let me. So, we got Klaus and the Crisis in Xmasville from Boom and Batman number 36. I'm going to talk about Batman comics until they stop making good ones. But they're all amazing right now. I'm your host, we're, Anthony We're, we're, we're going to have words about this Batman book. Oh, we'll have plenty of words, okay? Yeah, just, I'm your host, Anthony Composto. I'm also the editor of the comic book section on Monkeys Fighting Robots. It's a podcast. We're supposed to have many words. That's the whole point, is, <laughs> are the words. Joining me in the conversation is my co-host, co-founder of Monkeys Fighting Robots, the sardonic Matt Sardo. Anthony, good to be back. I think I'm still full from Thanksgiving. It's been two weeks. There might be a, like a turkey bone stuck there. Might have to go to the hospital. Uh, made that joke last it's still funny <laughs> wait i know that's the whole point it's like an ex- i like the family guy so if the way the family guy works is you tell a joke and you keep telling the joke until the other person's annoyed that is Michael, seth mcfarland's laughter is your annoyance you have such this habit of adding the word the in titles that don't have the like you do it with movies all the time and tv sh- it's not the family guy it's just family guy <laughs> Are, is there more than one? No. So it's the family guy. Oh, God. That's, uh, the English major in me is like, that's kind of valid. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> if you like this show, uh, you probably should subscribe to it on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Apple Podcasts is that new thing now that Apple's been doing. It's next. I updated, I, the, I updated this the script for you finally. I saw that. I was pretty. I was like, "Hey, Apple Podcast. I want an apple. I'm hungry. Everything goes back to food for me for some crazy reason during the holiday season." Uh, we're also on Stitcher. If I can actually get through this live read, uh, feedback is very welcome. Is very well. You're welcome. Feedback. Like I don't know what's going on with that one. Uh, please comment or tweet us. Let us know how we're doing and what books we should be reading. Because Anthony just gives me a list, and that's what I read. So I would love for somebody else to tell me what to read, because I have to read Batman all the time, because he can't pick a different book. And It's good. It's good. And if you're going to go read Batman or buy Batman, you should go to Uncanny Heroes in Tampa, because they sponsor the comic show. Uh, and every week, every day, every, all the time that they're open, graphic novels and trade paperbacks are 25% off every day. You know what really upsets me? Is um, Tell me. The Umbrella Academy. They've been promoting it on Netflix, but they promote it. They're saying like, the award-winning comics and graphic novel. And I was like, wait a second. There aren't two separate things. There were comics that made a graphic novel, so you just need to pick one of them. Because they even do that in The Walking Dead, and it really bothers me. When they're like, oh, Walking Dead of the comics and the graphic novel. And I was like, no, 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 what, do, what, do, what is that? What is that? Yeah, they're, they're trying to make it sound fancy and, and add words. And, you know, adding words is it's horrible. Not really. Uh, Uncanny Heroes, if you're still, your train of thought is still with me, is located at 12904 North 56th Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out. I'm so on- lucky that I don't live in Temple Terrace in Tampa because I would be wasting like all my money at Uncanny Heroes every day with that 25% off deal. Like I, every week I would be walking out with a stack of trades. My my fiance over there would be would be killing me. Like we can't move to Tampa 
Brook because I wouldn't have any money left. Are, are you done? Oh, last week you were giving me all kinds of shit for like not being invested in the live read, and I wasn't like being interesting enough. So I'm trying here, okay? Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. Support your local comic book store. And then one further bulletin is uh, Uncanny Heroes has a store in Lakeland, which is close to Anthony. So all the shenanigans he keeps talking about, he can actually spend that money there. See, either I'm not either I don't talk enough during the live read. I'm not like active enough, and I'm too active. Like, oh, no, but you, you. I, I know you, and I feel like you, you are a victim of the Catholic guilt. So if I guilt you into going to Uncanny Heroes in Lakeland, you will. Like you think like Lakeland's in my backyard. Like you are literally as far from me as Lakeland, probably. Do you live in Canada? No. What? <laughs> no. It's not a. It's so unrelated. Oh, uh, this is this is already a great show. It is because uh, for some crazy reason, you made me read a Christmas book by Grant Morrison, and I'm just like, was totally intrigued with the Lobo ripoff villain in there. Oh, guys. Anyone who doesn't know Klaus, so Klaus is this series that Grant Morrison created at Boom, where it's like this weird alternate take on Santa Claus. It was a mini series that started and ended, and then since then he's done some, uh, you know, just one shots here and there. So this is the latest one shot. But you don't have to have read the the previous Klaus books to pick this up. So this could be your introduction, and then you can go back if you like it. But you you know me, like I'm not a huge Grant Morrison person. Like I think he can go a little bit two out there but klaus is a series that i that i will follow and i'll read uh, when the one shots come out like i i i really like it for some reason and it's because he tricked me he tricked me when klaus started I, I i tried it out and i was like oh this is this is pretty normal for grant morrison like this is an interesting story it's not too weird it's not ridiculous and stuff it's just like this this nice little santa origin story and then the aliens come in and all of a sudden like santa claus is an alien and i was just like there's grant morrison here he is. This is such an unfinished book that it just cracks me up. I like I enjoyed it. There are there's storylines in it and for it being a one shot, you're like I number one, I didn't know what I was getting into. I was like, ah shit, Grant Morrison's writing Christmas books, fine. You got I'll I'll read it because I know that there'll be lots of words and some weird shit. But now you told me that there's other books. In the universe of the Klaus universe, I think there's seven plus another sequel. I was reading on Wikipedia. Uh, but this book is interesting, but it's so Grant Morrison unfinished product. Like, there's stuff that goes on in it, and you're like, what happened to... Tell me, example. The spoiler wolf. alert. What We're happened? talking spoilers. Example. Okay. Um, Nick Frost. Like, uh, yeah, is it Nick Frost? No, it's, no, it, it's it's Grandfather Frost. Nick Frost is the guy from the Edgar Wright movies. That would have been close. so much better. <laughs> but Nick Frost, he shrinks down, and he gets into the wolf to fix the wolf. But we never see him ever again. Oh, that's true. We don't know what happened with Lily. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Oh, man. I think we're just, like, meant to assume that she survives. Yeah, but he makes, like, a big thing about it. Like, I was like, okay, what's going on with this? And it's just like, here we are. It's because, it was it 1985 where the book is? Yeah. And then it kind of, like, has, like, a half-hearted ending. Like, I don't know if half-hearted ending. Uh, but it has an ending, and then, it, like, time jumps to now, and I'm just like, ah, oh, shit. I, I, I always feel like 
there's a few shows like I I watch where I like watch the episode and then the following episode I'll be like, did I miss something? And that's totally with Grant Morrison because he just jumps around so much and just you know expects you to kind of catch everything that comes through. Um, yeah, it's like a roller coaster. Like you can't really stop to think about what's happening. You just kind of have to keep following the ride and just trust in it, kind of. And and that's how you almost have to read most Grant Morrison books. Because what uh, towards the end it says, and in the darkness, all we could hear was the sound of his laughter. And I was like, whose laughter? The alien or Santa Claus? I think it's supposed to be Klaus. Because right next to that, in, you, you can see the lettering, ho, 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 and they're riding the so, sleigh out of the vortex. So is ho, ho, ho laughter? Yeah, that's laughter. That's a jolly laughter. I don't know. I mean, How old are you? You're just now realizing that ho, ho, ho is Santa laughing? Because he's like, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. I never, like, I never been like, ha, 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 Merry Christmas. Like, it's no, like, that's not, ho, ho, ho is words. Laughter is something else. Listen, how old is Santa Claus, man? I mean, that's like, a, that's a myth as old as time. Like, maybe, maybe people ho, ho, ho back then to laugh. Like, you don't know. You weren't there. Okay. <laughs> not going to do it. Don't do it, because that's going to be a very bad spot to do, to do it in. I think the whole thing with the wolf is annoying me now, but I think that, I think we are, that, that wasn't the focal point of the story. I think that we're just meant to see that Grandfather Frost, Grandfather Nick Frost was saying that he was, that she was going to pull through, She it, it looked good, and he was going to fix her, so he did the shrinking thing, and I think we're just supposed to trust in that and then get back to the main story. And then there will be more one-shots, and maybe that's just another reason to go pick up the next one-shot. And then are all the other Santa Clauses on Moonbase 2 fighting other aliens? There was, like, Nick Frost made a few comments about the other Santa Clauses. With, like, the evil Santa Claus? No. Um, dude, he almost killed me. Frosty girl. Where is it? Nick Frost. Where does he say it? That there, He said that there's. That he's trying to gather the others, and they're on, like, Moonbase 2. Fighting. The other Frosts, yeah, not other Santas, just like other Frosts, whatever, it, whatever that is, whatever their race of people is. More Nick Frost. Yeah, more Nick Frost. It, that part almost made me feel like, what, what's that movie? The Guardians. The Guardians. You ever seen, no, yeah, Rise of the Guardians. I did. Yeah, it, it had like that kind of feel to me where it's like all these embodiments of, you know, d- different uh, elements and holidays. I thought that was a cool little uh, thing that they introduced in this. He's, he's world building. Is what he's doing. Dude, if the Easter Bunny shows up, it's going to be shit. Oh, my God. I, I want to read this now. I want to read a Grant Morrison <laughs> Santa Claus Easter Bunny. I really hope that he like puts out a one-shot in uh, April. <laughs> that, that That's it. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers now. Grant Morrison, I know you're listening to this podcast right now. Please do this. Um, But the alien villain, he's a total like Lobo ripoff. Like, come on, people. It's metal. Like they they're doing Dark Knight's metal where they even say it where they're like the universe it's it's metal, it's stranger things, it's like every sci-fi alternate universe story where they're like, you know, the universe is flat. There's like, you know, an upside and a downside and we come from the upside down basically. He's 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 the Dark Knight's metal Santa Claus. Okay, but he even has Lobo's motorcycle. Okay, fine. He's Lobo. <laughs> like, like I, I I got I got a metal thing from it, but 
Oh, you got like a metal thing? Well, then you're stealing from metal. Metal just came out. Like metal's not even done yet. Why are you stealing from metal? And Grant Morrison is very tied to metal for the record. Oh, maybe this is Grant Morrison being pissed off that that Snyder blames metal. Metal is all Grant Morrison's fault. I don't think, like, you always say, like, oh, they're ripping this off. You're blaming him. It's, it's out of anger and malice. Like, if, if Metal did have any inspiration out of it at all, why can't it just be, uh, a, like, an homage or an honor of his friend and colleague? Like, he's like, oh, I really like what Scott Snyder's doing. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, pay homage to that in, in my comic. Like, why does it have to be theft and malice? Okay, it's malice because nobody sends fucking Batman back in time to figure out how to get back to the present because the whole point of Batman is it's a rich dude with gadgets that can just like make shit happen on his own. Like he's prepared. But once you like be like, Oh no, you got shot by the Omega beam and you go back in time to when there's dinosaurs and, and uh, you know, whatever Neanderthals and you're like in a cave and you're like putting face paint on and, and doing all that voodoo witch, witch doctor BS. Like you, take Batman out of his element and he ceases to be Batman because, like, you've created this, like, super-powered, you know, hero kind of thing that can travel through time, and that's not Batman. I think you're just a little bit bitter with Grant Morrison, and I think you're I think you're taking it out on Klaus, and I think that's unfair. No, Klaus is good because Klaus is like, fuck it. You know, like, Klaus is, like, you know how you say metal, and metal's like rock and roll, and, like, Klaus is like, fuck it. It's doing, like, it's Whatever you think you're going to do, like, I'm doing something completely different. Yeah, it's, it's, and like I said, I'm not someone who's usually a Grant Morrison fan, but there's something about Klaus that I just, I, I love. It's over the top. It's, it's crazy. I love the whole alien aspect of it. it it's, oh, I'm going to, after reading this, I, I kind of want to go back and reread the original miniseries. Let's, um, let's transition real quick and just talk about Dan Mora's art on this book. Okay. One thing, one, sorry, because I just got to the title. So crisis, crisis in Xmasville. Like yeah. he's totally taking shots at DC. Crisis. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, they crisis, and then there's the metal tie-in. You say he looks like Lobo. So, but you're not. You keep saying that he's taking shots at DC. Like he is physically. He's like ah. No, not really. I don't really. really not really physically. <laughs> not thrown down. I would love to see oh. Grant Morrison fight. I don't think he can. Like, I want to see comic book writers and artists fight because I think that'd be hilarious. Graham Morrison's Scottish. I think if anyone could throw it out and fight, it's probably him. He's 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 bald, like he like he's got shaves his head, like he's got like that like sounds like groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons, like <laughs> him versus Scott Snyder. Just like throw down in a celebrity deathmatch style. I wanna get Scott Snyder some sweatpants for Megacon if he comes back. Like can we like make that happen? Like I I thought it was the most brilliant move. I, we interviewed Scott Snyder and like, because he's always sitting down, he's wearing sweatpants. The dude wears sweatpants to Comic Con. Like, the cracks. Me it's up. because he came straight from the airport. He came straight from the airport that day. Are you sure? Yeah. He tweeted it. He was like, I'm coming to MegaCon in my sweats. I'm coming right off the airport, right off the airplane, and straight to the convention center. Like, I'm wearing my sweatpants. Like, don't judge me. See, I thought that that was his normal wear and tear that he wore to Comic Con. No, I think it was just because he was uh, traveling and he wanted because he wasn't supposed to be there that day that we interviewed him. He was just coming because he's a good guy and wanted to be there for the fans. So he just came straight from the airport. OK, you know how pretentious Grant Morrison thinks he is? Yeah, very. I'm, I'm looking at this book and I'm looking at the credits and he's like Klaus created by Grant Morrison. So he's he's saying that he created Santa Claus. 
No, he's not. He's, he's saying that he created the title and concept of Klaus, which is a, an original take on Santa. He's not saying he created Santa Claus. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Positive? A hundred percent. I don't know. Hundred percent, because he's not saying it's not saying Santa Claus created by Grant Morrison. It's Klaus. It's this specific comic book title. Nice. All right, you're so, you're gonna keep bashing on Grant Morrison. I really want to talk about Dan Moore's artwork here because it, it's gorgeous. Like you 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 took me back to more Morrison bashing, and I'm not gonna let you do it a second time. All right. I really All like right. the I really like the throwback page. How it has muted tones, where they they talk about the first battle between Santa Claus and the bad Coca Cola Pepsi people. Yeah, it's it, it that's awesome. The the stuff with the aliens later on and the wormhole and stuff, like it's got like this really crazy zany, almost very much like, you know, Jack Kirby, Walt Simonson, Thor kind of stuff, very bright, colorful out there. The the color palette is awesome. I love how Klaus's red cloak like just like pops, especially like there's a lot of like you said, muted colors, a lot of blues and you know, very cold, dark atmosphere. And then you just like see that shot of red every so often with Klaus's cloak that just really stands out. It goes back to what we say about how powerful and awesome coloring is all the time. I am a huge fan I, of like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but there's like one panel where like the bad Santa Claus, he, he's smiling and it's all teeth and he's got his red eyes. And so it's like, it's just one panel where he's just like grinning. And I was like, I've seen this look before, but I love it all the time. I also like it when like the villain's face is all blacked out and all you see is the smile. Like, I love that. Yeah. That's that's good stuff. Awesome. We haven't done this uh, on the show in a while, but we, you know, we used to remember we used to talk about our, our favorite panel in a book. I, I have one in this book that I that I really want to call out right now. And it's the first time we see evil Santa Claus, which is awesome. I love that. I just keep saying evil Santa Claus a lot. And he's just like he's kind of in silhouette. You have, don't really see his face. And he's chanting March, March to an army of goose stepping guys in santa outfits it's like a bunch of goose stepping santas and he's like just like chanting them on yeah that's a mcfarlane-esque page if i've ever seen one the pencils the pencil color is not mcfarlane but like just the the snowdrops like either you can you can grab like issue like 309 of spider-man because it's in the snow and i think it's a christmas one as well and uh that's totally a mcfarlane page but that one looks awesome that page looks good yeah, and it's just like the I like weird stuff and just like the the imagery of goose stepping Santas is just such a it's such a clashing concept that it just makes me laugh in all the wrong ways. I just love how badass Santa Claus is in this. Yeah, he kicks ass. You really like you you got to go back and read that original miniseries. It's it, it it's awesome the, the the whole concept of the wolves, which you see the wolves kind of in in this one shot, but they really play with the wolves more in the miniseries because they have more time and space. It's uh, it's awesome. It's a very delayed awesome. I was like, I thought there was like big epic speech coming. And I was like, I was gonna I was gonna cut out that big space and gap, but now that you now that you called it out, no, yeah, you gotta hold it because I was like. I was like, "Oh, what's he, what's what's gonna happen?" I was awesome. trying to just think. I was trying to think oh. of like the the the, the how I want to put it, and sometimes it's just as simple as saying it's awesome. It's like, awesome. Yeah, uh, I I did like this book. Uh, I mean, there are some like crazy Grant Morrison esque moments in it, and I do feel like it's influenced by a lot of different I don't know late eighties, early nineties 
image comics kind of craziness. So there's a lot of influences there. Not saying it's a, a bad thing that there's influences in there. Okay, it's not like he's taking shots at image comics. <laughs> Physically. Physical <laughs> shots. Physical shots. Um he might be throwing poop at you know at the studios. Why is there a flaming bag of poop again? Ah that Grant Morrison! Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh man, I'm just I'm I'm skimming through it and the, the I see the shot that you're talking about with the just like the red eyes and the and the fangs and stuff. It's awesome. And on that same page at the top, there's like that you know, half a splash of evil Santa just like punching out Klaus and the blood splatters. Just the motion in that panel from Mora is just like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, and I, w- I was talking about that in the interview with those ki- guys, those kids, those crazy kids from Paradiso. I love when you can actually like show movement in a still image. And uh, there's a panel in Paradiso where it's like three pages, like three panels. And the movement flows with it. Uh, but this one, like, the way the punch goes and the wind goes, it, it brings you back to the bottom panel or to the yeah. middle panel. I was about to say that, like, it's it's even cooler because once you start, like, thinking about things in depth and thinking about, like, eye lines and sight lines and trying to direct the reader's eye, like, the punch, like you just said, di- flows directly into that next panel. And it's just, that's, I mean, that's craft. That's talent. Like, once once you see stuff like that, you can't unsee it. And it, it blows me away that people put that can think that way. And I'm not an artist. I have no artistic inclinations. And it's just, it amazes me that kind of skill. No, and if you go two ba- two pages down, where it's the giant beams of light into the sky. Yeah. So those giant beams of light, like, as you look down at those, like the way your eye travels down and then you kind of cut across and you go down and it's him punt- on a downward punch on Santa Claus. And those beams of light give that last panel more force. Because the eyesight is coming down with it. Yeah, it's like you have momentum from the eye lines, and then he crashes. And then, there, then there's a punch, and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, my head just moved down on that, like, comic, like, when it when the punch landed. Yeah, like, that's 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 talent right there. Like, that's, that's, that's incredible to me. That someone can think like that and put together a page in that way. Nice. I, I'm, I'm generous. It's Chris. It's the holiday season. Oh, yeah, because when they go to Nick Frost's house, like, that's totally the Batcave. Like, you son of a bitches. But I'm still, I'm still not, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be upset. It's not like, it's not like Graham Morrison's taking shots at, the, at DC Comics. Physical shots. All right, what are you grading this book? Uh, 4.25. Robots. 4.25. I'm giving it 4.4 monkeys. A little higher than you, as always, as per usual. Yes, but I do like you. I like you a lot. I'm probably going to. You're welcome. I'm probably going to pick up the book at the comic book store Uncanny Heroes in Temple Terrace. For 25% off. No, it's not a graphic novel. You could get the collection of like the original. Oh, but I want to get this issue. Oh yeah, you can get this as well. Because it's got like a werewolf. There's a werewolf in there. Like there's so many crazy things going on in this. It's awesome. This book is like insane. In the membrane. Really? That's where we're going. What we're doing the, the, the way this show is going, that's totally where, that, where this is going. I said, so we're not gonna get we're not gonna transition at all. There's no transition on this one, we're just gonna go straight into the bullshit that is Batman 36. The, oh, now you're really breaking my heart. Okay, you're really break. I, I read this issue, I, I closed it, I was just like 
oh my god that's like one of the freaking best you know batman comics that tom king has done so far i love it i called brooke immediately and i was just like i just read like an amazing batman comic you have to read this it's so good and i was like detailing every awesome moment to her and uh, immediately i was like i i have to talk about this on the podcast like it was so the fact that now you're saying this to me is is so demoralizing this is like the clerks of batman i also love clerks it's i love i movies. love i love clerks too clerks is fun clerks is good clerks is not batman it's not there's there's plenty of action in this book no that's the thing is with this book right here you could totally rewrite this book with all the action in there and it could be a good it could be it could be a generic i guess a generic comic book where they fight bad guys and they they kind of finish the deal and like stuff like that but instead tom king and and the kids at dc try to go next level with a book and and, and they try to do this like side by side comparison of like why batman won't call superman to tell him he's engaged and Superman's like, well, I guess we're not friends. And I was like, you're all, you're, I, I, I don't want to say the R word because that's so nice. But you guys are both fucking stupid. Like, I'm not going, I'm not going the R word, but I'm saying they're stupid. Stupid. I, I, I love that. And I, I love the side by side comparison. Like, again, we were just talking about crap. Like, in this, you know, the art by Clayman, Seth Mann, and Jordy Belair. You know, is is great in the way that they do a literal side by side comparison. But like the scripting by Tom King, and again the way like he lays out the page in his script and the literal side by side comparison is is awesome. And yeah, it, and I love the dialogue. It's funny. It's like you know, relatable. It's realistic. It, it 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 it's heartfelt. But also, it gets to a really deep place. Like it's not just like stupid. Like you know, I don't want to call him because like you know he should call me. You know, we're not really friends. Like. Yeah you really get to see what they think of each other in candid moments with their, you know, significant others where they're really truly like letting their, their true feelings out to someone that they confide in. And you see like the real way that Superman sees Batman, the real way that Batman sees Superman, the way that they, they both put each other higher than themselves and stuff like that. It, it, it's not like this like petty bullshit where they're just like, I'm not going to call them enough friends anymore. Like there's, there's real meaning behind it that shows you the way that these characters think in a new way. I think you already know this. I think you're you don't need to I I was totally turned off, you know, when Lois is like, you know, Clark, you're not really like hiding your secret identity with your outfit right there. And he's like, What are you talking about? I was like, Okay, number one, well, these are conversations that we have that you and I have. This isn't a conversation that Superman and Lois have. And then like then it goes back and forth with Catwoman and Batman kinda of talking about the same thing and I was just like, You're killing me guys. Like, this is just, it's, these are things, none of this is something that we didn't know already. We know all this. And then, like I said, the disaster artist is a hand job to Hollywood. Like, this is, I don't want to say it's an insider joke, but like, it's still, it's, it's not a comp. It's comic book, but it's not comic. Like it's 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 getting it's gonna get tons of credit about being the best comic book ever, but it doesn't reinvent shit. Not every comic needs to reinvent something. Like sometimes you could just have a good time reading something. Sometimes you could just tell a story called Super Friends. The name of the book is Super Friends. Like that says something. Like it's just supposed to be like you know a fun, you know lighthearted like 
strike to the heart. Like, there's a lot of comedy in this book. There's a lot of humor and the cutting back and forth and, you know, the, the, you know, the timing of the conversations is funny. And I forget who said it. I heard it somewhere recently where they were saying, like, you know, comedy is a direct line to the heart. And this is that's what this book is for. This book is just trying to show you their relationship, which, yeah, you've seen it a hundred times before. But like you haven't seen it in this run. You haven't seen it with Batman being engaged. That's a new spin on things. And it's, you know, putting a new spin on on their relationship. And just because it doesn't like break some seminal new ground doesn't mean that it's not still an awesome, fun Batman comic. I still, I mean, like, I, I get what they were trying to do. I get what Tom King was trying to do. I I just, it just didn't work for me. It didn't Why work. do you hate fun? Why do you hate fun? I don't hate fun. I like fun. You're the uptight one of the group. I uh, mean, <laughs> I like Batman 36. Thank you very much. I think, I think that the humor has been one of the strengths of, of the engagement for the last few issues. I think, especially like the last couple of issues, where was Batman and Catwoman in Nanda Parbat going up against Talia? I thought all of their funny little like bickering during the fighting and stuff like that was hilarious. Like seeing them as a couple with all these, you know, couple tropes and stuff. It's it, this is a new side of Batman that we haven't really seen. I think that's fun and funny, and it's it's nice to see something new with a character that's you know over seventy five years old. Okay, let's compare apple apples to apples. Like I just read Batman thirty five before reading this. I really did enjoy the conversations between. Damien and Dick Grayson like there's some self-referential conversation in there but that works for Dick Grayson and Damien because like Dam- number one I can't stand Damien but like I understand the character now but like when Dick Grayson's like did you just say Batman and like I, he is Batman I am Robin like and then they just kept again going back to the point of like why I like my family guy jokes they kept saying that over and over and over and over again in there. And I was like, oh, that's funny. It really is funny. Uh, but at the p- core of it, they were having a serious conversation. And it was like, oh, yeah, Batman doesn't actually ask for anything because he's always giving everything. Like, I thought that was powerful and that was moving. Like, issue 35 brings up new concepts or a concept that, like, might not be there you know, that you might not have thought about, you know, but like, that's where like he breaks down the character and brings in different elements. And you're like, fuck, it sucks to be Batman. Like we already know that it sucks to be Batman. But again, like we're so self-absorbed ourselves. You know, sometimes you need to actually say a few things out loud where I thought 36 was just saying things out loud to say things out loud. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. No, you, what, you bastard. Like, you step on my good for you every time. Every time I get one, you step on it. Because you just got to <laughs> rattle it off. Like, you can't come up to the mic grinning ear to ear. Like, <laughs> I own you. I got this. I'm totally going to get you. Like, I can see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I had it that time. Man, I had it. It was, like, right there. No, oh. you got to have a little poker face, man. You just got to be, like, looking at the comic book. And, uh, good for you. Oh man, I don't know, man. Listen, I, I really liked it. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that it like took anything away from the characters. I don't think like they they sacrificed anything that's inherent to Batman or Superman. I don't think you know they 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 strayed too far away. I think even though that there was some humor and stuff, like Batman can be humorous. Like they they didn't go slapstick with him or anything. Like they they remained true to the core. And you know, Batman and Superman coming up the elevator and Batman looking at him and just saying like you 
took the elevator. Like that's like Batman would say that. It's not like you know. That's fine. That's not that's not the gripe there that I have. That's not the one line of. It remind this whole episode reminds me of the shawarma scene from Avengers, and I can't stand that scene. Like the after credit scene. Yeah, the like, guy oh, we're just having some shawarma. One, nobody eats shawarma. Two, there's other places in New York to eat. And three, go clean up the city. You have shit to do. Well, then you're really going to hate the next issue because it says the next issue, a double date, 78 years in the making. So next issue is pr- pretty much probably going to be the shawarma scene. Yeah, we're going to review that. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Oh, now we're going to talk about Batman again. You just gave me all the shit about making you read Batman every week. Now we're going to talk about it no, again. No, you don't make me read Batman every week. You wait like every two months we'll talk about Batman. And then I have like 22 issues to read because the shit comes out every two weeks. <laughs> I like it. I, and you know, it's funny because Tom King can be so corny in his writing. He loves slipping in the cliches. Like on that last page where Superman looks at Batman, Batman looks at Superman, and they're like, vengeance is the night. Up, up, and away. Like, he's slipping so many cliches and one-liners in there that would usually drive me nuts, but there's something that I kind of... I like a little bit of, you know, that cheese every once in a while. Yeah, and then they did the pow, the next the next line. Like, I mean, like... It yeah, was, that's fun! I didn't say I had an issue with that part. It's not what I'm busting balls about. Oh, maybe I should let you finish your sentence. <laughs> How does it feel? Ah. <sighs> <sighs> It was just the, like, there's some clerk elements to it. There's the shawarma scene elements to it. And I, I totally think that he wrote a different book. Like, he had the art, like, he wrote a different script about them just doing a team-up together. And then he put in his, like, he then was like, okay, now that I have this action comic, let me go put in self-referential dialogue in there. And, like, rewrite, like, I think he was, I think this book is trying to be smarter than it actually is. Okay, good for you. <laughs> you did the look away. You did the look away. That's good. You that was a good one. Okay, good. Cool. Good. good one. Um, yeah, it just it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. You want to come again? That's, you coming at me? That would have been a perfect. That was another. That was another good. That was another perfect opportunity for the. Okay, good for you. You 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 lobbing up the softballs today. Like I really could have. <laughs> can can you at least concede that it was it was a good book? Even if it wasn't like something groundbreaking, and it wasn't like. Can you at least concede that it that it's a good fun book? I'm not a fan of the, oh, why don't you call him? Why don't you call him? Why don't you call him? Like, listen, you're two dudes. Just fucking pick up the phone. Like, I get that. Like, that should have been, like, two boxes. Like, it should have been, like, Lois, like, just fucking pick up the phone. Like, but the fact that it went, like, six pages of, like, oh, I got to fight stuff. I'm busy. I'm doing stuff. And it's like, and then it's repetitive because it's this, it's the same. It's a mirror image of them both being like, oh, I'm too busy and I'm a man. I can't do it. Blah, blah. And you got two women explaining it to him. Blah, blah, you gotta do it. Like, he's your friend. Blah, blah. Well, maybe he's not my friend. I don't really know what's going on. Like, like, it's like, it's like, come on. Like, I was like, oh, I really, so I really thought that the end was going to end up being that Lois and Catwoman were in contact with each other and they manipulated this meetup just to get the boys to talk. Like, when they were both in the elevator, I that was my thought. I was like, oh, they planned this. And also, like, Lois isn't dumb. Stop treating like she's dumb. She wouldn't have been like, oh, they're meeting with, like, Dr. X. Like, if he's got 10, she should have 10. Like, the fact that she didn't have the correct thing, or I don't know if they actually figured out, if they actually say who, what his name is. But the fact that they have two different names, I thought that was, like, belittling to Lois. But that just could be my male personification 
on the character that Tom. Well, King you don't know. You don't know her sources and the information that she got. Like that very well could have just been the information that she was given. Like you don't. You don't know the sources that you that not couldn't be her being stupid. That could just be you know the misinformation she got as a reporter versus whatever information Catwoman got from the guy. Like that's not really belittling Lois. All right. That's why you you look like you're busting at the seams. Real real quick, I do want to say uh, the art on this book. You know, Jordi Belair's on colors. She's amazing as always. Clay Mann is the artist that drew the War of Jokes and Riddles, and he's you know in rotation on you know Batman regularly now. And I really felt like we got a different side of him in this issue. Like War of Jokes and Riddles was so dark and gritty, and that was just the nature of the story. So that was the nature of the artwork. Like, and you get some of that here. Like, there's a real dichotomy in his art, showing the Batman side of the story and the Superman side of the story. But he he can draw a really good Superman story too. Like, with the, the it was you know a lot brighter. The you know the, there's a lot of motion and action, and I, I think that he could tell a really good Superman story. You know, we've we've seen the dark and gritty. Now we've seen you know a little bit more of the light and stuff like that. He, he's showing his range as an artist, and I, I'm I'm a fan. My other annoying thing with this book is Catwoman crawling around the Batcave like a cat. That would get really annoying if I was dating her. Okay, that really stood out to me as well. I will completely concede that. Was <laughs> that like, was kind of weird. Come on, uh, you know, and like, I this goes back to. This goes back to like, ah, uh, this 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 goes back to not. I'm not a social justice warrior, but we're having this conversation about men and women right now, and how men treat women, and you know, it's Catwoman on all fours with her boobs hanging out, crawling up to Bruce Wayne in the Batcave as they're having a conversation, and then she's like slinked over with her boobs hanging out, and then she crawls up on him. And all this other stuff. And I was like, I understand. But, like, you have all this conversation about a real relationship. And then you go big boob fanboy on me in the artwork. And no, it, I, I, yeah, I, I, there's definitely kind of a problem with, with that whole sequence, I thought. And, you know, like it, it did. It's very, it's very male view. It's very, you know, it, there is something. Um, I, it, it was very noticeable. It was very noticeable. Unless, like, do we think she's, like, trying to use her sexuality to manipulate him into, you know, talking to Superman or something like that? Even so, like, I'm not sure but if again, it's okay. They but again, they could have, like, she could have had her suit zipped up and her boobs could have been, like, I mean, they still would have been there in the suit. But, like, the, that one panel of her just, it's all cleavage and her butt's high in the air. I'm just like, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, I get it. But I don't get it. You know, and then there's like a behind the butt shot. The next panel, like, I mean, Bruce, either stop typing or stop putting her in sexual positions. Like, stop typing in the Batcave, like, because apparently your fiance wants to make out with you. Like, you know, like, come on. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was. It just, I, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. Well, I'm afraid to ask, but but what what's your grade, man? Uh, it's technically a sound book. So you automatically are at like the three, you know, you're automatically at a three when it's a technically sound book. I mean, the artwork, Jordi Belair's colors are amazing. The artwork is amazing. Um, you know, I, issues I would have are with like script and then like direction. You know, if I was the editor of the book, I'd have been like, hey, kind of like clean up 
stop slutting up Catwoman and like change up the angles on that kind of stuff and clean them up if I was an editor. So I, I blame editorial and then I blame Tom King's script. But like the artwork and the colors are brilliant in this book. So it's it's a four, but I, I have four with like lots of issues. Okay, you're not you're not gonna like what I have to say, but I if I'm, you I'm say going five, four, I'm gonna kill you. I'm not going five. I'm going four point seven. That's fine. I is, okay. that's why that's why we're doing this podcast so that we can have a dialogue about books and we can talk about our influences and why we like it and why we don't like it. But this book. Because last week, I was all happy with the books we read. This week, I mean, like, I had Klaus, which was re- which was good, a different and crazy. Uh, and it, it got me ready because I think I, I read that I read that after Batman. So I was that kind of, you know. Um, but this, if we're trying to take comic books to, like, I don't know, a next level, this is, this is just, I don't know. I, I, got, I got no words. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Enough said. Each week, we want to bring you an interview either from a beat reporter from Monkey's Fan Robots or a comic book creator. This week, we have Nick Enquist on the line, and he wants to talk a little C.B. Sabolski with us. Nick, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. And I was uh, I was excited to talk about this topic with C.B. Sabolski and Akira Yoshida and the whole controversy. I'm going to put the controversy in quotes, but controversy, why don't you fill us in on what's going on? Uh, okay, yeah. So uh, the new editor-in-chief, C.P. Sabolsky, essentially at one point he he was a writer at Marvel, but he went under the name Akira Yoshida, uh, which is very Japanese, and he wrote comics like uh, Elektra uh, for Marvel. And uh, it was more than just a pen name. It was kind of this whole persona he created. There were interviews and biographies about like, well, not biographies, but like, you know, thought pieces about him, about how he was like a Japanese kid flying to America with his dad a couple of times and how he learned Eng- part of the way, way he learned English was superhero comics. And so Sabolsky recently admitted to being a Kiryoshida and it has left a controversy as a, as a Anthony said it. Um, and it is, you know, rubbing some people the wrong way. It's some people are saying maybe it's, Time to just sweep this under the rug and move on, but it's definitely worth examining. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, like I knew about this going into the show, and uh, I've heard it, you know, what was going on. I I didn't realize that it kind of went as deep as that, where he was actually creating interviews and backstories and t- talking about being a Japanese kid who learned English through comics. I, d- I didn't actually know that it went that deep to an extent. Yeah, it it, it went deeper than I than uh, than I realized too. Like I thought it was like at first I was like, well, okay, that's a little weird, but. I don't know if it's something to harp on, but then I kind of like the more I looked into it, I was like, oh, no, he he really dived in. I was like, it's kind of it's a little bizarre to me just as one way to put one way to look at it. And has he really said why he did this instead of just writing under his own name? Um, Nothing that uh, nothing officially, to my knowledge, he hasn't come out and made a public statement, but it sort of seems like he was a uh, just a big fan of Japanese culture. He did. He does. He did editing at Marvel's uh, manga in uh, Japan for a very long time. Uh, so clearly, he's just a huge fan of the culture, which I think most people can admit there are cultures that they're fans of. But this kind of takes it a step further, I think, into a territory I'm not sure I'm comfortable with. Marvel just can't catch a break lately. It seems like. 
you know, with, whether it's, you know, getting the controversy from the social justice warriors, which I think is inappropriate, but just like all the fanboy backlash, whether it be from one side or the other, and then you're like, okay, let's kind of clean house and reorganize things. And then, you, you know, I always associate everything to sports. So you pick a head coach, you think you got things moving in the right direction. And then you got this like backstory out where you're like, oh, we can't get a clean start. So do we fire them and look for somebody new or are they going to stick it out? Personally, I think after all the uh, interesting uh, commentary that's been coming back from Axel Alonso and Tom Brevoort, firing Sapolsky would be a bad idea because it just makes things seem too uneasy. I think Sapolsky is probably a good editor. He is probably going to have, this is probably something that's not going to go away by tomorrow. He's got Joe Quesada coming back, working with him a bit. So I think overall, this is a good step for Marvel having Sapolsky there. This is just a weird story. And this is also coming right after Marvel had hired Ron Richards, who has been accused of some sexual harassment and inappropriate conduct, which take, which, I heard about that story the day after DC finally fired Eddie Berganza, which that was a long time coming. So it's, it's been a little bit of a rocky road for both Marvel and DC these past couple of, these past couple of weeks. I knew there was something else with Marvel and, and you just brought it up with the, with the editor that they just hired. And uh, I know they had some other issues too, because if you do some research on them, if you'd like to look up insane people, uh, go Google, and there's tons of stuff there. But this is where I, you start to get like this kind of, the industry is kind of a little inbred with its editorial staff or the higher-ups, where it's like people kind of come from one place to another place, and I don't think every, anybody kind of like looks outside the box when it comes to, you know, editor-in-chiefs of comic books, because there's only like two big positions out there, uh, and then you have like you know, the lower tiers and stuff like that. Um, but when, when it's owned by Warner brothers and owned by Disney, you would think that, you know, people would kind of think broader. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure, uh, uh, Ace, if you want to throw in some, uh, commentary, but I think the way that I look at it is there's a lot of nepotism in the editorial side to the comic book industry. And I think at some point, especially in the editorial, departments of anything, uh, whether it be uh, literature, comics, movies, whatever it is in, this, in that kind of, in that department, you have to expand out further and you have to get different perspectives eventually. And the comic book industry has been run by a lot of white guys in the past, pretty much exclusively. And it's a little weird how one who is now the editor in chief for the biggest comic book company in the world, or at least in America, is pretended to be a Japanese guy. You know, yeah. would it yeah, would it would it be worse if he was pretending to be a Japanese woman? I mean, that's another debate that I don't <laughs> think I'm even nearly smart enough to talk about. So. <laughs> so well, I, you know, it's it's funny because, Matt, we were talking about, you know, the change in editorial, you know, a couple of weeks ago, last week, two weeks ago. And you were saying how, you know, Casada's thing was, you know, breaking up Peter and Mary Jane. And then Axel Alonso's thing was the social justice warrior thing. 
And now it's like already like this is Sobolski's era. <laughs> they, they, they went, like you said, like they can't win. Like they went from being way, you know, to way too PC for some people to being like the not PC enough, <laughs> not PC at all. Yeah. So like me, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm all about, I, I'm a very tolerant person. Uh, I hate intolerance. I hate prejudice. I hate, you know, I am very vocal about all of these things. My whole thing is th- there should be no malice towards people. You should not, you know, be putting out hate and anger. You shouldn't be hurting anybody. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be insensitive about any of this at all. And granted, we, we mentioned this earlier off air, like we're three white guys talking about this. Like none of us, you know, can come from an Asian perspective on this, but like, I, I don't want to say where is the harm, but I want to, I just want to, I just want to talk about that. Like, I want to talk about like, like, like I saw some Asian comic book writers talking about how like, this is something that's happening at a time when it's hard enough for Asian writers to be getting writing jobs. And like, but did, but did Sobolski actually take a writing job from an actual Asian writer? Nick, your eyes are like bugging right now. You're like, I don't know what to say. Like, how do I respond? I, I mean, I don't know, honestly. I don't know if there was an Asian writer who got passed over, uh, passed up for Sapolsky pretending to be an Asian person. Because he was already employed at Marvel. Like, he was like- already employed at Marvel. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I think granted in the grand scheme of things, this is weird, but this is not the worst thing Marvel's done. This will probably not be the worst thing that they will do. This is just very bizarre. And again, I am probably one of the whitest people in the world. I, you know, I don't know how to come in with that different perspective. And, um, you know, so I I can only talk about from my perspective. This is just kind of weird to me. And maybe it's one of those things like we hear about, like, you know, we can't understand. So we just have to take other people's words from it. Like as men, we don't understand what it's like being a woman in the workplace or something like that. So we have to just, you know. We have to believe what they say and accept it and because that's their perspective and we can't challenge that. So if there are Asian writers and artists out there who are saying this is offensive to us and harmful to us, maybe we just like have to take them at their word for that and, and believe them and understand that because we, we, we can't say anything otherwise. I completely agree with that. And I also think, you know, it is important uh, – in in creative outlets and writing and stuff like that, especially in comic books, which for is still kind of sometimes considered like underground or like uh, it was like, you know, comic stars, a very blue collar medium. And to this day, it's still kind of got that connotation behind it of being very much for the everyman and stuff like that. You know, it's it's really important now for creators to start, you know, and and companies to really start expanding out you know with marvel and dc they own the rights to the most popular characters in this time right now you know like everyone likes to talk about the avengers and superman and the movies and everything like that so i think it's time we start really trying to see what the asian woman's perspective of spider-man is like or the black man's perspective of superman is like you know and try to really see what other uh, voices are in there because we're just not really getting that. And I mean, for me personally, like I like a lot of the stories that are coming out currently, uh, both at DC and Marvel, but I would love to see, you know, both of them expand further and really see what they, uh, what uh, new writers can do, new voices can do. 
Granted, there could be a lot of crap, but there could be also a lot of good things out there, and it would give people uh, give uh, people and women of color the chance to a uh, platform to talk and to tell yeah. stories. There's, I mean, there's always been a lot of crap, and there will always be a lot of crap from 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 all writers of all kinds. There's plenty of white guy crap in Marvel right now and DC. Let's see what's uh, let's see what the else what, else, what other people have to offer. <laughs> well, I always said that it starts with the editorial staff. If you don't have diversity in editorial staff, you're not going to get diversity in the staff that they hire for books. I mean, it's just that's just the way it's going to go. Um, and that's I'm trying to go back to you know the CB thing of him using it as a pen name and then doing you know interviews and other things like that. I mean, that's very Andy Kaufman esque of him, which definitely is not PC. Uh, I, I also, and it wasn't just him, like because like Casada was in on it too. Like, well, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say is like, how far did it go? How many yeah. people were kind of involved? And and I guess what was like the end game? I guess I mean, you know, if it's hard, I mean, once he starts doing interviews, is where it gets weird. But again, you know, I mean, the industry was relatively small then, and that was pre Disney buying it, wasn't it? When he did it, when he yeah. was pen, so yes, yes. So it was yeah. probably pretty much, uh, you know, a boys' club, uh, for, for better, better or lack of words or whatever I want to say on that one. But I mean, like, it's, you know, before Disney bought Marvel, I'm sure that it was there was a lot of goofy shit going on, and now you can't like you probably can still get away with some of the goofy shit, not all the crazy shit, but like. Because you don't ever want the mouse to get mad at you. Um, but I wonder who else has done pen names and and kind of you know fibbed the reader because that's like pre-internet almost you know pre-social media kind of thing. So you can kind of do some you could mess with people because I mean if you're sending an email, it's like he it's like he catfished people. Like should we feel bad? Like should we you know be upset that he catfished some reporters for not sourcing their stuff? You know, if, if you're interviewing somebody and you get an email from them and then, like, you get a picture and it's C.B. Sobolski, whose fault's that? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it's, again, like, like I said, this, like, I'm, I don't believe that, you know, like, Joe Quesada, Sobolski, anyone who made these decisions meant any kind of harm or, mal- or you know, malicious intent. I just don't think they really thought it through. You know, even back then, it's like, you know, comics were, as you said, not as big as they are now. Comics are still, I mean. They're still not that big, but they're still not that big. The properties are are huge now, you know, but the comic book industry still isn't that big. And it's kind of in this like stagnant kind of state. So, you know, I don't believe they meant any kind of harm, but I also have to wonder what was their thought process? Because, you know, I don't know. Were they. Yeah. Were they trying to like say, hey, we have a Japanese voice here to attract more Asian market? I mean, on one hand, okay, I get the reasoning behind that, but why not just hire a Japanese writer? (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think they would ever admit if that was the case. At this point, I don't think they would ever even say that. Like, and and I think that's that's the key to this whole thing. Like, I think this would be a much easier conversation to have and pick a side on if if we had some intent behind it and someone explained why. Like, the only thing I've seen is Sobolski said I I was young and maybe it was like you know it was kind of stupid and I was just like you know and I'm I'm older now and I can see that and I'm like but you're still not telling us like like why (laughs) yeah exactly and just saying you were young doesn't mean like why you did it yeah it's also kind of a you know 
like a, it's just like an excuse a kid would make up like you know oh i was young it's like that doesn't you know solve the issue here that doesn't yeah. really explain anything it doesn't it doesn't give any intention like you said anthony it also you know you know when i see those asian creators and writers and i can think of a, a bunch off the top of my head that you know are very talented and working very hard i can't help but think like yeah if i like I guess like the only way I can really think about it is like if I were in their position, if I were in their shoes, how would I feel? And I was like, yeah, I'd be kind of irritated. I'd be peeved because I'm trying to make my own work and I can't get a job at Marvel, but you gave it to this white guy who wrote, you know, I, I didn't read the Electra run, but I kind of, I saw some people who mentioned it that I was just okay. This thing, and he, he pretended to be an Asian uh, guy and he's, he got work for it. <laughs> like, you know, it's, yeah, I, I can't help but sort of feel sympathy for that over anyone else. I'm reading the story on NBC News, and it's it's hilarious. Because, I mean, like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Because, uh, I mean, they're sourcing Bleeding Cool, which I think is hilarious. That NBC News well, is like has this, like, really serious story, and then they're sourcing Bleeding Cool. And Rich Johnson, for his part, like, he puts out, like, a lot of, I guess clickbait. I hate that word, but whatever that other, you know, like he spoils a lot of shit with his, with his, uh, but he also has like, he's, he's probably like the only beat reporter in comic books right now. I mean, like solid. I mean, you got, Oh, there's also Heidi McDonald from comics beat. I know, but like she's, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much she is in the beat right now. I mean, I follow her on Facebook and other things and she kind of has her sources, but I mean, like he's always still, He's been digging for a solid 10 plus years. And I don't want to discredit Heidi at all, but I, I mean, I would have to say that he is a better digger than Heidi is. <laughs> she gets sources and she gets, she gets, you know, she gets comments and stuff like that. But I think, I think Rich is probably the better, better of the digging of the dirt. Cause I, this is the thing is CB Sobolski is friends with Rich Johnson and Rich Johnson wrote the story that it, it was hit. He was, you know, doing this. Um, so I don't know if CB and Rich are still friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, anyone's really still friends with CB Sobolski, <laughs> but have you heard negative? I mean, things? I don't know. Have you Possibly. heard negative? You have heard negative things about CB? I don't, I mean, I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything negative about the man personally, besides this story. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Uh, I did notice that Axel Alonso did, retweet or like on Twitter um, some negative things about him. So interesting. God knows how that what happened there. I'm not going to try to make comments on that. That's at that point it becomes gossip. It doesn't become, you know, fact. And yeah, with a story like this, there is, so, it's so hard to, to, to discuss it properly because you know, it's, we don't really know what was going on. Just like back to what uh, Anthony said. It's all comes down to intention at this point. All right, well, I feel like we've beat this story topic to uh, to death. <laughs> Anything else, Nick, you'd like to chime in on in the comic book industry world? Uh, nothing specific. Got to got to get back to writing some more stories. Uh, been a been a while. Uh, moved to, moving will moving will take up your time. I I mean, um, what's the have you like kind of felt like the comic book scene out in where you are right now? I've been checking out comic book stores and uh, checking out, uh, you know, places to go to. And uh, Phoenix does have a Comic-Con. I'm excited to go to that. Phoenix so. has a Comic-Con. Um, 
I'm trying to think of where, but I think Todd McFarlane's over by you somewhere and McFarlane Toys is out by you. I'm trying to think of what else is in the Arizona comic book scene. Cause I think there is like Meltdown Comics. I think there's a few big comic book stores out there. Pretty sure. Isn't Meltdown in uh, LA? Meltdown is in LA unless they have another one, but Meltdown's LA. Yeah. I've been to Meltdown. Meltdown's a lot of fun. Yeah. Which I was going to say, you could theoretically you could drive there a whole lot easier from Arizona than you could in Chicago. That's true. That's true. I'm I'm debating whether or not I want to get San Diego Comic Con tickets because <laughs> oh, I could make the drive and it would not be that bar would not be that bad. I think they just yeah, went, I, to go. I think they just went on sale, or you got to like yeah. you got to go through like multiple levels of getting into. Uh, comic-con like you have to register for a number like you, you have to get a social security number for san diego comic-con first once you get the social security number then you can get into the group to wait to the group to sell tickets and then it's you stand in line and you wait to like virtual line and you, and you have to rub the rub the lamp to get the genie to make the third wish so. right and then you have to get in another line and get into the raffle for hotels like it's a raffle <laughs> system you put in like the five hotels you want and then like they'll be like oh okay you get this one and you could be like a block away or you could be a mile away, depending on what's going on in the world of Comic-Con. It's insane. I mean, you could actually just go out there. And um, I mean, I stayed at a hostel one year. That was like the most fun that I had um, at Comic-Con. Um, but you could just go there and just go to all the parties and hang out with people at the after parties and don't even need to get into the convention. <laughs> That's, that, that'd be one way to, to leave an impression. <laughs> uh well yeah uh besides that um books are i'm reading are doomsday clock mr miracle and uh daredevil that's about it all good all good choices all, all good all very good oh and metal i'm, I'm reading metal because i think that is the most ridiculous crossover event i've ever read in my life <laughs> so why do you think it's ridiculous what's the what's the ridiculous aspect of it it <laughs> You ever play Dungeons and Dragons and yes. the DM kind of just forgot what the story was and no one really bothered correcting him. So he's just throwing everything against the wall just to see what sticks. And it's like, okay, and here's a dragon and you're going to fight. And he's fighting with a bunch of orcs and uh, this is happening. And there's kind of no logical sense to it, but you don't really care. You're just having too much fun. That is insane. That, that's a good. That's a good analogy for the. That's that's metal. That's that's metal. It's Scott Snyder is clearly just having a time of his life, and we should all just be reading it and enjoying it. <laughs> that is funny. That, that's 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 my way to, to describe to describe metal. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I I'm interested to see how metal ends. I don't really. I don't know like what it's gonna how it's gonna end or what it's gonna do, but I just. I'm just enjoying it for the ride. It, it might end kind of crappily, but you yeah, know, I'm, just, I'm wondering if it's going to have like any real major ramifications, especially because it's going on at the same time as doomsday clock. Like I'm, I'm I, yeah, so I don't sure. think so. I don't think it's going to have it. I, I think it's, I, I jokingly put um, events into two categories. You have the blackest night or the civil war. The blackest night is just goofy, fun, ridiculous. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. It's just, Superheroes are fighting superhero zombies. Enjoy. And then you have the Civil Wars, which are, no, no, no. This is designed to actually change something. Metal is definitely safely in the Blackest Night category. 
Doomsday Clock is in the Civil War category. And I'm fine with that. Like, I am yeah, perfectly me too. fine with it. <laughs> like, I, one, of my irritate, one of the things that irritated me about the, all the events at Marvel was each one was supposed to be important and have something to, like, change the universe. And I'm like, no, just, if you're going to do a fun event... Have a fun event. And did you see, like, when they when they started Legacy, like, their marketing tagline, it was, every title is an event? I was like, yeah, that's every... not what we want. Like, you're not listening to us. <laughs> every It was like every story was an event or something like that. Yeah, it's just like that. It's like, you're not getting what we want. We don't want all these events. No. Nope. You know, it, it, it is irritating because there are really good stories being printed at Marvel, like Daredevil and... Yeah. Moon Punisher Knight Platoon is, is pretty good. Moon Knight, I heard, is fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I'm really, there's a lot of great stuff that, you know, I really wish, you know, we could talk about, but like Marvel's marketing team is like, no, 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 event, 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 this, this, this. And yeah, I read Marvel Legacy and I'm just kind of like, all right, what was the point of that? Like, what were you trying to say? What's, what's gonna, what's the next thing? And I didn't even think it was bad. I just was like, what what was the point? <laughs> Samurai Comics was the comic book store I was thinking about. In, yeah, Samurai Comics. That they have one in awesome. Phoenix, one in Glendale, and one in Mesa, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Which Phoenix is like five different cities all cobbled into one. So, yes, Phoenix is is a fun city. <laughs> you need it's, to. It's, it is fun. You need to like drive out of town, maybe about thirty forty five minutes, like like you're heading towards the Grand Canyon and there is a crazy bar restaurant that we stopped at, my wife and I, uh, before we went up the Grand Canyon and they, I went to the outdoor patio and it was like a bull fighting, a bull riding arena in the outdoor patio. Like with actual bulls or yeah. like with one of those mechanized ones? No, it was actual bulls. Like you just like, it's like I went in there. It's like, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a cowboy place. It's kind of cool. And like, and then like you went out to the the back door of the restaurant to the patio and you're like, oh, they can actually like, it's a bull riding, roping, whatever. Right. It was full cowboy. Like I want to go Could there. anyone do this or was it like. We went at like one o'clock on like a Monday afternoon, but like I wanted to go there on like a Saturday night and see what crazy shenanigans were going on. At that place, um, but no. So if you if you if you ride the bull for three minutes, do you get a free meal? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I I do know in like San Diego they have uh, one bar that has like a indoor surfing, and so everybody gets drunk and then they're like, oh, I'm gonna try to surf the wave, and like they all crash. So you just go there and watch people crash on a surfboard, which is always entertaining at San yes. Diego Comic Con. Yes. Uh. I mean, Anthony's Not just really like, go. are we going to talk about comic books at some point in time, guys? <laughs> just looking at me, beady We were eyes. talking about comic books, and then you brought up Phoenix. <laughs> this is how the uh, show goes. This is, this is, this is the this comic is the show. show. And you brought up Spider-Man. I was like, I'm not bringing up Spider-Man today at all. I'm, I'm, it's been a good weekend. And you're like, hey, Matt, Casada, Spider-Man. Fuck! Ah! Somehow every show turns into Spider-Man and Marvel marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't I haven't read a Spider-Man comic in two years. Good, <laughs> good, good for you. No, good for no, you. Listen, renew, renew your vows. Renew your vows. I stand by. Renew your vows. Yeah, but it's not continuity. It doesn't matter. And I heard Zdarsky's spectacular righted ship, and it's back on course as well. But really, is uh, what you call still writing straight webs on the uh, drawing straight webs on the costume? <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> That oh, was... Defenders. That's another good comic from Marvel right now that I really like. 
They're good ones. Like, like Thor, I'm, I'm still loving Thor. Like Jason Aaron's Thor has been consistently one of my favorite books all the time. Colin Bunn's did a pretty good job on Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, like like Marvel's putting out good stuff. Like they get a lot of flack, but they're putting out yeah, some, some absolutely. really good like, character stories. Like they're character know, I, stories. Like you said yeah. Defenders and like it's a team book, but for the most part, like I I think their solo titles have, you know, been pretty strong overall. Yeah. Nick, do you have a favorite book of twenty seventeen? Like a single issue? Mr. Miracle number four. Probably Mr. Miracle issue. number four. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's the one where he is accused of being corrupted by the anti-life equation. And so he goes on trial by Orion and like the veggie tray, the veggie tray, the fact that it is so funny, but also so depressing at the same time when you really start to think about it. I'm like, Tom King, you brilliant bastard. (laughs) I just feel so much weight and meaning in that book. Like I want to analyze every panel and I'm like, Mr. Miracle is the only book that can make me sit here and wonder what is the purpose of the veggie tray? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was funny. I was reading it at a bar. Uh, I went and got the comics and hopped to a place, grabbed a beer. I was reading and I read that one first. And after I read it, I had to put the book down. I like looked at my beer and I'm just like staring at it. The waitress came up to me and she goes, are you okay? I'm like, no. No, I'm not okay. Because <laughs> like, I was really thinking about it. I'm like, God, he didn't have a name. He never knew what it was. He never asked. Oh, God, you feel so bad for him. But it's Tom King. There's got to be a point. <laughs> so good. Uh, so that's probably my favorite of the year. Doomsday Clock number one is a close second. I was oh, really God, get off of it. Come on. Never. Never. <laughs> that is a load of crap, that book. It needs a second I, issue. I liked it a lot more in my second read, I will say. Okay. Good for you. There it was. <laughs> I knew. I was waiting. <laughs> Matt, how are we friends? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I just thought there needed to be more in, in Doomsday Clock. I just, you know. I, it's it's a 12-issue maxi series. You got to let it burn a little. Not yeah, there if, is more. Not There's if, 11 issues more. Not, There's 11 issues more. What more do you need? <laughs> not if I'm going to be spending the money on it. Come on. Like, there has to be something there. Again, if at the last page you saw, like, Rorschach's grave and you saw the dirt kind of move or something, like, something to kind of, like, go you Owlman going, we have to get to the heroes before they do. Something to be like, okay, here's the two sides. I'm not asking for a lot. I'm asking for like one panel and one sentence. Yeah, I get it. Like the last shot, like you see a coffin with dirt on. At the last second, the dirt rises a little <laughs> bit and then it cuts. And then the next issue, they don't address it at all. And like the, it's a whole other story that never relates to that dirt. Like that's what you're talking about. I get it. <laughs> I even like Batman v Superman. I thought that was funny. <laughs> But that, that is not an argument I would like to have currently. <laughs> but, yeah, I like Doomsday Clock, Mr. Miracle. Looking forward to see how those turn out. I really I really dug um, Iron Fist, like, 76 or 77 or whatever it was when they did the Legacy bring back, uh, where you meet Sabretooth again and fight that. I'm surprised how much I dug it. Ed Brisson's on it, and he's uh, he's been do- he's been doing a good job with, with Iron Fist, so... Mike Perkins is the artist. And, Mike uh, Perkins is the artist, doing a good job with he's that. He's always too. sharing his artwork on Facebook. And uh, I do like that aspect of, I started, I think it was, 
I started following your boy Donnie on Facebook, and he's sharing artwork from different things. Uh, and there's a couple other guys that I started following on Facebook where it's like, oh, look, you know, here's a, here's a page before, like, they get, like, a three-day window of sharing it and everything. Uh, like, uh, Charlie. You gotta, Charlie. Follow, you gotta follow all the artists. Follow Mitch Garrett's. He's always posting oh, Mr. Mr. Miracle. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's always following Mr. Miracle posts. Like, I don't think Mitch likes me after Megacon. Because I asked him, where, where's the blue ink? Why are you always painting in red and yellows? Where's the blue ink? I, I, I don't think he's holding a grudge over there. <laughs> I don't think he really cares at all. No, I think, I think Mitch is going to be like, you're going to be like, oh, remember me? I asked where the blue ink was. He goes, uh, yeah, who are you again? Sorry. <laughs> no, he's still, he's still like, he's at home right now, like working on Mr. Miracle. Just like, I'll give you blue ink, you bastard. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Nick. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Have... Thank you guys for having me. Love being on here. Yeah, Anytime. read some comic books and uh, come back soon. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, Anthony. We have Star Wars Last Jedi Monday because we're nerds and we get in early and it's awesome. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. You can check out all of our coverage of Last Jedi on Monkey's Fighting Robots and make sure, like I said, we're talking about Darth Vader next week. So it's out this week. Pick it up on Wednesday. Today. It's out today. Pick it up. So that way you can uh, listen to the show next week and follow along. And, you know, I put Darth Vader in my problem category with Harley Quinn. Like, Darth Vader and Harley Quinn go in the same little box. Yeah, you don't like like the little kids dressing up as Vader on Halloween. Yeah. Or in general. Or in general. <laughs> like, come on, man. Uh, he killed lots and lots of people. It's, it's, he's almost like Hitler, Darth Vader. He's space Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just so we're on the same page. No, I agree. Vader was space Hitler for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So to have little kids dressing as space Hitler, that's an issue. Yeah, but but that that suit, though. (laughs) But that costume, though. (sighs) Oh, man, I just can't do it. I just If you're going to put on a hot costume where you can't see and you can't breathe, go as Chewbacca. Spend the money on... We need more Chewbaccas and less Vaders in the world. I agree. My brother, actually, he bought me a uh, couple of Christmases ago. He bought me one of those, like, you know, those big, like, onesies that you see they sell at Target and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he bought me a big Chewbacca onesie a couple of Christmases ago. When, when Force Awakens was coming out, they, they had them. So, so yeah, let's do some, let's get some Chewbacca, you know, costuming going on. More Chewbacca love, less Darth Vader love. I think the world will be a better place. I'm Matt Sardo. You're Anthony Composto. Everybody have a good weekend. Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host Anthony is also on Twitter at the underscore great underscore ace. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we would greatly appreciate a review of our show on Apple Podcasts. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeyspreadingrobots.com. Well, that was fun. Who's for Chinese? There are so many people that made the 23rd episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots a success. Go check out Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. Special shout out to my co-host, Anthony Composto. Don't be a space Hitler and don't be a Santa Hitler either. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey? Are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for your support. 
I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots.